following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. Your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Nothing on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell securities. While stocks and the stock market will be discussed on this program, check with your financial advisor or a professional before investing. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show, coming to you from the Dupree Financial Group Studios on Main Street. Today we have a Darsh Meshru. Mike Johnson, Philip Sexton, and Tom Dupree with us. It's a full house. And here's our host, Tom Dupree. So, so you think you can tell. So, Mike, what's this guy's name? David Gilmore. That's what I thought. (laughs) Do you ever, are they still together as a group at all? I don't know. uh, They're definitely not touring now, but... uh, they did a live album probably six, seven years ago, maybe. Yeah. What, what they've always been known for is their live sound. Like, yeah. I mean, it's apparently just amazing. Much better than Gordy. Yeah. I never saw them. I never was really into Pink Floyd, but now I'm kind of looking back and saying they were quite a group. Yeah, yeah. The, the, David Gilmore, his guitar playing was... It, it was the tone that he yeah. had. It was just nobody sounded like him. Yeah. Or even sounds like him, present tense. Right. So today, uh, for our show, we're going to talk a little bit about another guy that nobody sounds like or has sounded like or ever will sound like, maybe. And that's Warren Buffett, who just turned 90 years old. Uh, last week, I think. Yes. And can I borrow your things? There you go. I'll give them back to you. It's fine. Uh, and I think the thing that, uh, the legacy of Buffett, um, not just the financial legacy will be his annual letters to shareholders in which he really uh, to read them all is it's like an extraordinary work of literature uh, if you put them all together. Wouldn't you say so? I, I'd agree, yes. It, it really is. There's, you know, in fact, when people ask me what uh, book they should read, you know, about investing, I always say just go to uh, Berkshire Hathaway's website, which is Warren Buffett's company, the company that he runs, and just read all his past uh, letters to shareholders he uh, sends them out once a year, and they're just full of uh, wisdom. Incredible wisdom and humor right? in, in some ways. Um, and then, of course, Charlie Munger, who um, has been his partner for, for many years, has, has got a lot of writings of his own. And, and he actually used to be the head of a, of a savings and loan called Wesco right. out in Los Angeles. And um, 
you know, I used to get their annual report also. <laughs> right. It was pretty good. So this is an article by Jason Zwig in the Wall Street Journal. This was on um, August the 28th. This Sunday, Warren Buffett turns 90. The chairman of Berkshire Hathaway is one of the most successful investors of all time, having amassed a net worth estimated at $82 billion. Yet, he accrued nearly 90% of that sum after the age of 65. Investing well is important, but investing well for a long time matters even more. I've long recommended, Mr. Buffett told me in an email earlier this month, what I call the Methuselah technique, that as he explained in a letter he wrote to investors in his limited partnership in 1965, is a combination of a long life, and a stable and attractive investment return. Mr. Buffett made his first investment, three shares of City Service Company, more than 78 years ago. That would have been at age 12. The model seems to be working, Buffett quipped in his email, but I'm only about 9% of the way home. At 90, he will be approximately 9% of the age of 969 ascribed to Methuselah in the Bible. Methuselah, one of the characters that came after Adam and Eve. And uh, that was back when they were all living to be like 800, 900 years old back in Genesis. So the the thing of it is, um, with the... So Buffett, once he decided uh, to... Uh, invest for the long term he had to find the right kind of investment vehicle and basically he started out with a shirt company right that's what Bert, that uh well hathaway was the shirt maker i'm not sure what berkshire was it was something else something in massachusetts i think it might have been one of those cable and wireless companies i think it was also not much of a company right right and uh so what he had to do was figure out how to take his investment vehicle and convert it into something that would allow for long-term investment. And he settled on the insurance industry and not just the insurance industry, but basically long tail, long risk, long time investing float uh business not a life insurance company that's a life insurance company it's like splitting dimes you know everybody's got the same numbers everybody you know it's just a me too kind of business mm -hmm. that's all it is he decided to write a business in some cases that maybe nobody else wanted to write or that only a few people would write which insured big premiums held for a long period of time. And you cannot uh, divorce the, the um, success, long-term investment success of Berkshire Hathaway from the super cat kind of uh, property and casualty business that holds it. Because he figured out he would be given sums of money to invest for long periods of time that basically uh, 
insurance clients would just give to him to keep. And he right. may never have to pay it back. Right. Hold so, on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was actually quite uh, brilliant when you think about it. You know, um, the float, you know, in order to invest, you need capital. And the float uh, acts as capital. But if your underwriting is good, then the cost of capital is pretty much zero at that point. That's right. So you have, you almost have leverage to uh, invest, you know, and the the capital keeps growing over time. Uh, so there, there have been so many books written about him and a lot of people have analyzed how he's done so well and how he's amassed so much money. And one of the, uh, you know, uh, I guess conclusions that they came up with was not just that he took a small amount of capital and invested it successfully over many years, but he almost had a continuous supply of capital that kept growing and not only did the capital keep growing but the the return on that kept growing and as that compounded you know it just kept getting bigger and bigger and that's how so if he'd run a hedge fund or a mutual fund there would be no, no. way he'd be that wealthy no. yes yes so the the vehicle itself was one of the smartest moves yeah well, to, to add to that too yeah in today's world in order to invest, a, a, in order for an insurance company to invest part of their float in equities, they have to meet capital adequacy right. standards. So he had to not only get to that point. So on top of that, um, you know, to, to what you were saying about a hedge fund, Adarsh, is that he now is in a position to where you know when you own a when you're running an insurance company and you're investing the float. Um, no one can pull their investments from you. You know, his, his risk is, as you were saying, Tom, a big natural catastrophe or something like that. Uh, what, what the interesting thing is now is it, here, here's some crazy, some crazy thought process for you is that the, all of the people that run insurance through him could go away tomorrow, but that entire float, would still be there for him to invest because it's it's paid in and it doesn't have to be paid out until there's a claim exactly so basically he's he has a homemade hedge fund right is what i would right. call it yeah but it's where he's the only it's one that's unlike invested. a hedge fund in that it nobody can call their capital home you know we, we were just talking about uh seth Klarman and uh what's happened with him and yeah. how he's lost uh, a lot of business because people said, and, and he has to take risk, right? He, he, he can't sit on $120 billion in, um, in T bills like Warren Buffett can. Right. A hedge fund, even though you have the lockup period, still, even that is not, really a long-term investment vehicle, you know, like, like Berkshire Hathaway right. is for, for Buffett. Um, and so it, he doesn't have to, like Philip said, he doesn't have to answer to shareholders, you know, he does for Berkshire, but not for the investors in a hedge fund. Uh, you know, they don't have to answer, you know, why, why are you sitting on this much cash? You know, the market's done this over this short period. You haven't. Um, and Klarman, I mean, he's, a great investor, phenomenal. Um, but people are taking a short-term view saying, okay, the market's done this, you're sitting in cash and disagreeing with him and what they're doing, they're pulling their capital from him. Um, yeah. and that's not the case with Buffett. Um, uh, but 
the to get the insurance company he had he had the the core understanding of compounding and how compounding worked and the the title of this article is you know the the $300,000 haircut you know he understood from a young age that if you spend $500 today that's many many multiples of that 50 60 70 years down the line um, so he, 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 they talk about his, he, he refers to his house as Buffett's folly. You know, he's, he spent $35,000 on the house. Shouldn't have bought the house. Should ago. have put it into an investment. Exactly. So, you know, he, he said, you know, he, he bought. That house is now worth $40 million or probably <laughs> more than that. Right. Because it's Buffett's house. Yeah. Well, no, because of what it would have been worth. Oh, if, yeah. If he had. Put it into Berkshire. Exactly. So he he understood the just the the basic concept of compounding, and then he built all of this around that. He s- started a vehicle where he could allow something to compound for decades, um, and the access to capital and his uh, incredible skill in seeing opportunity and yeah. seeing companies. Because uh, I mean, you, you can't you can't lessen his ability that on, on that either. Yes. He he's able to take a long-term perspective, but his ability to see where things are going. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, they, they call him the Oracle for a reason. Yeah. Um, so you, you can't diminish his ability there. I mean, it's just all those things combined that's compounded, you know yeah. I mean? That's compounding right there. His skill set with the vehicle. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You know, if you think about uh, multi-billionaires, you know, well, let's just put it this way. Uh, Warren Buffett is the only one that's made it purely by investing in other people's companies. Um, pretty much. I mean, he's got his own company, but he's, in, he's invested in other people's also. And um, if you look at Bill Gates, um, he kind of made one big move and that was at the beginning of his career and he realized that the operating system dos um would he he kind of saw where the personal computer market was going to go and um he bought that uh the license or even bought the program from this guy who was writing it in his basement or something that didn't know what he had created and bill gates did him and Paul Allen both. Yeah. Well, I think he brought Paul Allen in. Uh, I think Gates made the initial deal, maybe. He did, yes. Uh, although Paul Allen was a year or so, two years older than him. Yeah, he was kind of a mentor. Right. So he got him interested in computers. Yeah, that's true. And uh, anyway, uh, so Bill Gates, you know, and then, you know, Microsoft did other things, but what they really did was provide the operating system for for PCs. Yes. That's it. I mean, that's that's pretty much their whole play and that that started right at the beginning of of Gates's career. Of course, he and Warren Buffett are big buddies. Right. Cuz it's hard to find people that are that rich that are <laughs> to right. be friends with. And they both like to play bridge. Right. So what's going on, Philip? I don't know nothing about bridge. <laughs> Never played it before <laughs> in my life. I can do rook, spades, and euchre. There you go. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, you want to go to this next one? Rules that Warren Buffett lives by. Um, it. Uh, you guys take this one. I haven't read the article that close. Yeah. So, you know, as we're celebrating Warren Buffett being 90 years old, you know, some of the some of the biggest thing words of wisdom um you know this was an investopedia article and this is uh rules that he said in in either letters or in interviews things like that um this first one says rule number one never lose money rule number two never forget rule number one now you think about never lose money yeah you know and it kind of makes you you question well warren buffett has lost on investments before but what it gets down to is he's referring to the mindset of a sensible investor. Don't be frivolous. Don't gamble. Don't go into an investment with a cavalier attitude that it's okay to lose. Be informed. Do your homework. Uh, Buffett invests only in companies he thoroughly researches and understands. He doesn't go into an investment prepared to lose, and neither should you. Some of that is um, goes back to the Ben Graham thinking of margin of safety. And when you were able to buy uh, securities at below liquidating value, then you basically couldn't lose. I mean, if, if you could buy it like a 50 cent dollar, like the, the company would have uh, a liquidating value of $20 a share and you could buy it at 10. And that was the genesis of his investment style was buying things below liquidating value, which of course he learned from Ben Graham. Um, now I think they felt like that was the case with Apple and so did we, and we bought it before he did, <laughs> right? Yep. Because it was so cheap relative to its cash flow plus mm -hmm. the dividend and that kind of thing. That was another thing. When you studied it out, you weren't going to lose money on it. Tougher to do today. That's right. The other thing, going to this rule, this is something we've told clients in here, younger clients. They say, well, you know, I'm young. I can afford to take a lot of, just put me in, you know, I want the mo the riskiest thing, most aggressive thing out there. Um, there's a caveat to that. You don't want to be in something aggressive just because it's aggressive or risky. Right. Because that that's gambling. You can go to the casino and be aggressive. Yeah, that's land, it's landed black the last seven times. Well, it's, it's bound to land red this time. I will the, also say you will always lose money. Yeah. Investing like that. Right. You're always going to lose if you're investing aggressively just to be aggressive. Right. And what what we've told people before, okay, let's say you're 25 years old and you have $10,000 investment account and you're you're doing something hyper aggressive, you're just basically just rolling the dice, hoping something works. Yes, if you lost that whole $10,000, that's not going to derail your retirement. But what we've told them what would that ten thousand yeah, exactly. dollars be worth in forty years had you not lost? Right, it? and that goes back to compounding. You know, letting something earn a reasonable rate of return for a long period of time. That's right. The greatest asset of a young person is time, and to not—I'm not saying you can't be aggressive, but only do it if you've done your research 
and you believe the risk reward is in your favor. So when Buffett makes the statement, don't lose money, he's re- he is um, having a profound respect for investment capital mm-hmm. and what it takes to get it. Right. And a respect for risk. Yes. Uh, which, you know, when most people think about investing, they, th- they always think in terms of returns, you know, and they forget the risk because the returns sometimes look very uh, appetizing. But uh, ultimately, you have to respect risk. And uh, once you, you know, we used to say, or you used to say this, that, you know, when you take care of the, the downside, the upside takes care of itself. So if, you, if you're making sure that your risk is properly managed, then, uh, you know, it, it becomes a lot easier to, uh, to do well over time. One of the things we've noticed, of course, the market sold off hard yesterday, sold down today, and has come back. But, uh, oh, cut me off. Finish your thought. Um, our stuff hadn't gotten hit that bad because it's value. That's it. As you can tell, it's the bottom of the hour. We need to take a commercial break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more in just a few minutes. This is what's happening. The words of a president matter. Calling the military suckers and losers. Never said that about our fallen heroes. Get the latest. Unemployment rate 8.4%. Check in often. America's economy is coming back. Labor Day. Be safe. With News Radio 630 WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show, Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. iHeartRadio has tons of playlists for every mood and activity. And now, iHeartRadio has worked with many of your favorite artists. This is Dan from Disturbed. We're the Black Keys. And we're Shinedown. Plus, Ozzy Osbourne, Mike Shinoda, and more to create handmade playlists so you can get into what they really like. The best part? You can listen to them all for free. Open the free iHeartRadio app, tap the playlist tab, and let the music play. iHeartRadio, number one for music, radio, and podcasting, all in one app. iHeartRadio's new podcast, Criminalia, explores the intersection of history and true crime. Criminal activities linger in the margins of history, and lady poisoners offer up some of the most compelling tales. But were they perpetrators or sympathetic characters? We're going to find out. Nellie, it would turn out, was also a fellow poisoner. Listen to Criminalia on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Looking for fast, easy, and secure electronic banking? Community Trust Bank has a wide variety of banking services to meet your needs, including internet banking, bill pay, and mobile banking. We now have even more great services like Apple Pay and Google Pay. Make payments directly from your smartphone. And People Pay, a fast, easy, secure way to send and receive money from your smartphone. Visit us at ctbi.com or stop by one of our 79 branch offices. Community Trust Bank, building communities built on trust. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're just minutes away from updating your brain's news feed with the biggest trending news on News Radio 630 WLAP. Beautiful fall like conditions are filling in for you this Saturday with mostly sunny skies and dry conditions lasting throughout the day. You're talking lower humidity levels and highs today only topping out into the mid to upper 70s, coming in well below average. And we'll keep these nice conditions even going into Sunday where dry conditions and highs in in the lower 80s coming in for that Sunday as well. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Adam Bernstein. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation, this is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. Officer Don here for Quantrell Volvo Cars and the new 2020 Volvo XC40 Sport Utility. Discover the compact Scandinavian SUV. Designed for the city and the rest of the world. And there's never been a better time to lease or own the super affordable and dependable Volvo XC40 Sport Utility. Visit QuantrellVolvo.com and be in control of your journey. The new 2020 Volvo XC40. Personalized comfort and mobility at an affordable price. Quantrell Volvo Cars. Quantrell for life. Have you ever wondered if Will Ferrell likes to wear his I Voted sticker? I'll even wear it until the next day. Or what makes Stephanie Rule so passionate about voting? It's about what kind of country, what kind of world do you want to live in? Hi, I'm Holly Fry, and I'm hosting a new podcast called Why I'm Voting. I realized my father had never participated in any election. (laughs) That's how democracy fails. Everyone assuming somebody else. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find Why I'm Voting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Someone told me long ago Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour. Brought to you by Dupree Financial Group. Here is our host, Tom Dupree. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Philip, you 
had some more yeah. uh, things you wanted to discuss regarding uh, Warren Buffett. Yeah, so the second part of this rule, um, never lose money, um, the second part of that uh, that write-up there that uh, it goes on to say, Buffett believes the most important quality for an investor is temperament, not intellect. So emotional intelligence, basically. A successful investor doesn't focus on being with or against the crowd. Uh, the stock market will experience swings, but in good times and bad, Buffett stays focused on his goals, and so should all investors. Uh, this esteemed investor rarely changes his long-term investing strategy, no matter what the market does. Now, I think uh, a prime example, uh, to put this in, in Buffett terms, is Coke. You know, I... I, I can't tell you how many times Coke has gone up or down, you know, on a on a market basis. There's been times where Coke is out of favor. Coke's lost market share. Um, but Coca-Cola, Buff- that would be. Coca-Cola. Not cocaine. <laughs> oh, it's lost market share, too. But, you know, <laughs> we won't get into that. But anyway. Uh, so, I got something funny. All right. Uh, my uh, relative, who's a Coca-Cola bottler and Missouri uh, had a vanity license plate made for his car that said Mr. Coke. Nice. <laughs> Got him in trouble. Nice. <laughs> he had to get rid of that. <laughs> Did he have people waving him? Oh down? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the biggest thing that I take away from Buffett talking about his plan and sticking to a plan and, and you know, the, that $300,000 haircut and how he, how he looks at things you know, he's make his Coca-Cola investment is probably, is it his longest running investment, Mike? Mm, it's it's a, it, probably. I mean, uh, it's one of, I like think the, Wells Fargo is, is Wells Fargo. Uh, longer, right? I would say Geico is his oldest yeah, investment. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, it, that's won. where he bought the whole company though. Um, yeah. Yes. He bought the entire, Co- not publicly traded. Yes. Yeah. Coke is one of his oldest equity. Investments. It's been around in, since the eighties, but yeah. the, the, the big picture is, is that, He's now collecting more in dividends on an annualized right. basis right. than he originally purchased in stock. Right. Oh, that is that. Just is imagine un- that for a moment. I mean, because well, the only reason he's able to do that is because he's been reinvesting the dividends. I don't know if it's set up as a drip or if he just goes out and takes the cash and buys more stock. Or if he could actually do it as a drip, uh, which he might do, uh, but that'd be a lot of com- company stock that they would have to come up with every time the dividend gets paid. Right. But um, if you think about just that alone, you're getting more now in yearly dividends than you put into the darn thing. I want to put this in like a person person perspective. You know, somebody just sitting at home to understand this. It's if I told you today, sign me over your paycheck for your first salary, like whole year's first salary. Give me your whole year's first salary. And 30 years from now, I will write you your salary every year. As a a dividend. As a dividend. You'd sign the check and live with your parents for the first year. Probably. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those. Okay, if Except if I, they'd want rent, if you look at the time value of money, I go out thirty years. What I'm making today will be paid to me in perpetuity. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's crazy. But the other part of that on the emotional intelligence is not running with the crowd all the time. Um, and Buffett's done that s- several times in his career where people thought he'd lost his touch, um, that, you know, he was, you know, he should get out of the game. Um, but what he's doing, he was just disagreeing with everybody else in the market. And what, you know, in the, during the tech bubble currently, you know, with his, the cash that he has, the markets disagree and they're saying you're nuts. Why do you have that much cash? So we've known other investors that may have been as good as Buffett. I'm speaking of somebody like Jean-Marie Abignard. Or, or better. Right. M- maybe. But their investment vehicle was flawed. Right. Uh, so Jean-Marie Evayard at uh, First Eagle Funds, he didn't agree with what was going on with tech uh, in in the late 90s, early 2000, and stayed out. But unlike Buffett, that cost him a big chunk of his business right. managing the mutual fund. Right. So, um, you know, it, the, the vehicle that you use is very important. It, it is. Yes. And, uh, you know, Buffett is different in the sense that he's not really, he's an investment manager, but he's not in the investment management business per se. Um, and because of that, he's able to use this vehicle where his source of capital to invest does not come from other investors. You know, it just comes no, it from, comes from uh, insurance customers. Right. So that, that gives him that uh, advantage. Okay, here's an article. Why Warren Buffett matters more than ever on his 90th birthday. He turns 90. He, he turned 90 last weekend. The number itself isn't that remarkable. There are a couple of million 90-somethings in the U.S. these days. It's what he has accomplished and what he may still do that's astonishing. At 90 years of age, Buffett has never been more of a force, with all apologies due to his partner, Charlie Munger. Buffett has to be the most impactful nonagenarian in America, if not the world. His life and achievements have been singular, and as he never fails to point out, Uniquely American. To be clear, though, this is not an up-from-poverty story. He came from privilege. His father was a congressman from Nebraska and a diehard conservative close to a political opposite of his son. Still, the Buffets weren't rich, and beyond that, while his background surely helped, it certainly didn't make him one of the most successful people on the planet. People ask me what he's like. Well, for one thing, he's purposeful and self-aware. Buffett has thought a great deal about longevity, for instance, but not in an obsessive, cryonics way. He told me this in a conversation I had with him last year. If I gave you a car and it'd be the only car you get the rest of your life, you'd take care of it like you can't believe. Any scratch, you'd fix that moment. You'd read the owner's manual and keep a garage and do all these things. And you'd get exactly one mind and one body in this world, and you can't start taking care of it when you're 50. By that time, you'll rust it out. You haven't done anything. 
So you should really make sure you do. You remember that you've just got one mind and one body to get through life with and do the most with it. I think that's pretty good advice for everybody. Right. And that's the, the health side of it. This, this article is just interesting because it's talking about, you know, the, the more the personal side, you know, his personality, uh, kind of how he acts. Um, but investing, it, it, it is just about numbers, but there's so much more to it. You know, it's, it's kind of all encompassing, you know, you have to take care of your physical needs. Um, you know, you, when he's talking about you don't want to spend X amount of money because it's worth so much in the future. That's not saying to live as a miser. That's, that's saying be aware of trade-offs. You know, you're trading this for that. Same thing from a health perspective. If you do this to your body or you don't do that to your body, what's the trade-off? You know, if you, you know, if you enjoy cheeseburgers or whatever, which he does and he's, you know, doing fine. So we'll, that's a different yeah. discussion, but whatever it is, if you don't take care of your body now, then you'll pay the price for that later. So it seems like dietary is not the big question with him, with, with him, but longevity runs in his family. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the genetics play a big role in that. Um, but it's all about trade-offs. You know, what are you going to forego spending on today to allow that money to compound or what indulgence are you not going to do today because it will have a negative impact on your body in the future. And it's all about taking something that's out in the future and present value of that. Um, and that's really how he does everything in his life. And that's, that's, what's just so neat about him. It's, he's not just, preaching numbers and all this it, it really is just kind of his whole life embodies that idea of compounding right right well it's what you do today how will it f- affect you tomorrow right right in a positive or negative way yeah exactly well, it's, all right if you wanted to take it he used the he's the vehicle example you know it's like uh, to to put that into perspective it's like saying okay i can forego the oil change in order to have $50 to go see a movie or, or you know, $30 to go, to go see a movie and eat some popcorn. Well, what that does inevitably is it takes life off of your vehicle, you know? And, and for him, you know, it, it, he's all about what his money can do, you know, 10 years from now, 20 so years from now. The question is, as somebody asked, I asked a friend of mine, what are you going to do with all that money? You know, what's the ultimate goal? Yeah. With, with, okay. So he, we got it. He's good at making money. He's been great at it for a long time, but he doesn't spend much. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I would be willing to, he, he talks about going to McDonald's on the way to work. He goes to, uh, there's a steakhouse in Omaha. I forgot the name of it. Uh, they serve steak and white bread (laughs) and that's where he goes. He goes there to get a steak. And, uh, you know, a guy like that today, he's got to be thinking about what kind of impact will this money have on 
whatever organizations, you know, are in my will. Mm-hmm. He's a huge philanthropist. That's- yeah, and he's going to be a whole lot bigger one in about <laughs> five years. <laughs> are you or, calling it 95 yeah, yeah. the, the job dead date? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's already got the longevity going on at, at 90. But, you know, so you've worked that hard to make that kind of money. What in the hell are you going to do with it? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Well, I also think you ain't buying a yacht. I, I think, yeah, in his case, it wasn't uh, about the ends. It was about the, the means. Yeah, it was about the, the game. The game, yes. If yeah. you will. Right. But now he's got all this ends. Right. Well, you got to do something with it. I think to take a page out of his book and to learn from the wisdom of Warren Buffett, too, though, to what you were saying, Adarsh, is that you know Warren Buffett never looked at, oh, look at what I'm worth. It's more of, Look at what I can do. Oh, oh, he knows what he's worth. Oh, he knows, but he's not. I mean, you know, it, it's more of look what I can do with this now. You know, it, it, the the was he going to turn it all over to Bill Gates and let him manage it and go try to save the world? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, that, I think that big part of it, big yeah, part of it, yes, yeah. of his own net worth. But I mean, you you think about the principles that he would have looking at the uh, charities that he's given to. He spent his life allowing this money to compound, build build this wealth. He's not just going to give it to a foundation that's just going to blow it all immediately. Well, that's his hope. That's that's what I'm getting at. I mean, he's he's trying to do the due diligence there so that it will continue producing dividends. Basically, I mean, you got to now you're betting on Bill Gates (laughs) that he's going to remain healthy, kind of thing, and you know, and he looks older than Buffett sometimes, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, I think investing for its own sake is a worthy pursuit. Um, but it creates potential problems. If you do really well at it, you gotta, how are you going to dispose of it? Right. Yeah. And you know, in, in his case, one of the things that's remarkable is that the success, well, first of all, it hasn't changed him at all. You know, he's still living his life and that's what that article talks about. But um, I I think secondly, it's not just about the wealth that he's created for himself, but imagine the thousands of Berkshire Hathaway shareholders who he's created wealth for and what they will do with that money. So I think at some point, even if his wealth does not go to the best, does not get the best return. Hopefully the rest of it will go out there and, and create something. Yeah. I, I think there can be something innately positive about creating wealth. Now, some people would say, well, it's just a zero sum game and whatever you made, you took from somebody else, but they are the ones that let go of those stocks at those prices and he accumulated them. So the market ultimately drove the prices higher. Buffett didn't do that. Right. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't make those stocks worth more than what he paid for them. The, the market did it. And that's always 
bid and ask, you know, uh, who wants it, who, who right. wants to sell it. And, and the companies themselves that he invested in, they grew their businesses. They grew, they their, grew their businesses their and made themselves more attractive right. in the marketplace. So, um, and that's, that's what you're saying. It's not a zero sum game because these companies are the, the companies that Buffett owns are employing people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, they're able to spend capital. I mean, that's, and then the, if the business does well, the share price goes up, benefits the shareholders, benefits uh, Berkshire, which benefits their shareholders. And it's it's this wealth creation from commerce. I, it's I really, like, I hate to tell you, as long as I've been looking at it, it's still kind of a mystery. I would like to see a calculation. <laughs> it really is. Because right? Warren Buffett himself, they say, is worth $82 billion, But I would like to see the amount of GDP that Berkshire Hathaway creates Yeah, when you take it. To Absolutely. that level, you know, the amount of employees, the amount of pay those people receive, the amount of consumption they create, the amount of taxes that they pay. It's probably astronomical. Right. Yeah, it's a big driver of the U.S. But it's a heck of a probably. lot more than $82 billion Buffett's worth. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's got to be. Tenfold, maybe. I don't know about that. Maybe. It's worth a study. Yeah. <laughs> It would be worth a study. How much GDP does Ber the, the Berkshire and its subsidiaries? And, and you gotta also, you gotta take whatever percentage of the publicly held companies they own, and include that too. So yeah. if they own, how much of Apple do they own? Fifteen percent or? Uh, no, it's uh, it's twenty-four yeah. percent of Berkshire. Yeah, so I think it's over ten percent. Uh, it might be close to fifteen percent. Yes. So you got to look at at that and and see uh, how much that represents. But anyway, I, I'm just glad we're talking about him because he's the best investor any of us will ever see. And uh, I don't know, maybe not the best, but he created the best investment platform to display his investment expertise. He, he was the wisest in how he did it. He had to have been. Yeah. 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 Hadar's the best stock picker I've ever seen. <laughs> he just ain't picked a good platform to pick him from. Yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, and I think a lot also has to do with the timing, you know, so he is unique in the sense that there'll never be another Buffett because he is also a product of his time. Yeah. Of a time when the whole investment, uh, investing as a science was in its very nascent stages at that point. Um, you could argue that people have been investing for much longer, but you know, it was, he, I, I guess, brought a science to it. Well, the, the stock exchanges were rigged and crooked right. for, for many years, like 150 or even a hundred years ago. And Buffett came into a time where this pretty much things were straight. Right. And you, and you did it by analysis, not by insider information. Right. That's that's true, right? Yeah, publicly traded stuff could be done somewhat honestly. And it's also worth, uh, I mean, if you think about it, does he have the advantages today that he did, say, uh, 60 years ago, 65 years ago, uh, from the point of view of just the ability to get the information? You know, today information is at people's fingertips. And back then, you had to work for it. But wisdom isn't. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, wisdom is not. We hope you've learned something today. It's been kind of the Warren Buffett episode. Uh, it's been a fun study celebrating his 90th birthday. We thank you for joining us. If you want to learn more about Dupree Financial Group, go to our website, DupreeFinancial.com. Contact us there. You can also reach us at 859-233-0400. We'd love to talk to you. If we don't hear from you, we'll talk to you next week on the radio. I just had my hair washed. Your week. So there's no way I could have set that up. Your news. Violent mobs. Every day. There are seven vaccines globally now. As events happen, we'll happen to be there. The economy is recovering. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.